Welcome to TechCast with Jake. I am your host, Jake Nonamaker. It's October, the kids are back in school, that crisp feeling of autumn is in the air, and we are deep into the election season. I just received my voter information booklet here in California, which is the size of a small phone book. We have quite a few different propositions and local issues that we're voting for, and I imagine that is very common throughout the nation. We need to remember that not only are we voting for President of the United States, but you, depending on where you live, may be voting for your senator or your U.S. congressman or state representatives or local council people uh, of your city. So that would be fun to go through some of the important technology issues that are affecting politics and that you may want to consider when voting for uh, the candidates. So the first one I want to talk about is encryption. So encryption is an important issue in this election. Terrorists and criminals use encryption to communicate and hide their illegal dealings and their deadly plans. But encryption is also critical to e-commerce and banking, as well as police and military communications. The double-edged sword of encryption gained prominence when the FBI sought Apple's help in gaining access to an encrypted iPhone used by the San Bernardino terrorists. Apple CEO Tim Cook cited liberty and privacy in his refusal to weaken the iPhone encryption for law enforcement. So in 2015, a bipartisan bill put forth by Senator Dianne Feinstein, who is a Democrat of California, and Richard Burr, who is a representative uh, Republican in North Carolina, uh, would require that companies add a backdoor to any encryption product feature for, uh, and that would be used by law enforcement to unlock the phone. Using the iPhone uh, example, an iPhone would have a backdoor that would be accessible either by directly by law enforcement or to Apple to open for law enforcement to take out the data or investigate the data. So this Burr-Feinstein bill faces stiff opposition in the Senate, Uh, One of the senators has vowed a filibuster if the bill ever leaves committee, and the president of the United States has indicated he would veto the bill in its current form. But not only do they have bills before or working their way through uh, Congress at the national level, California and New York have similar bills which would require smartphone manufacturers to be able to unlock their respective phones. So just to um, round that out, uh, Apple, uh, Apple's latest phone, for instance, uh, has technology which would um, that does not allow them to unlock it. So if law enforcement came to Apple to ask them to unlock the phone, they won't be able to do it because of this level of security called strong encryption that they put on it, and you know they wouldn't be able to cooperate with law enforcement. So, I mean, that's important from a privacy and liberty standpoint for the individual uh, because, you know, we, uh, our phones today have a lot of sensitive information on them, including financial data. Maybe you store, you know, your email that may have sensitive information. And, uh, you know, like I store my passwords on my iPhone and I have uh, you know, maybe my email or my Dropbox that's on my iPhone may contain 
uh, mortgage information or credit information, you know, uh, information on my credit cards. And I certainly don't want that to be ex- uh, ex- accessed by anybody, by any back doors. Uh, you know, the problem with the back door is if Apple has a back door to the iPhone, then it could fall into, uh, you know, hands that you don't want it to. Criminals can exploit that back door. And usually if there's a back door, it's just a matter of time before some criminals or some, you know, people bent on negative behavior will access and discover how to access that back door. So it's not a, it's not a good idea. We need to have phones that are uh, encrypted with strong encryption and are, are, it's unbreakable. Uh, on the other hand, it does hamper law enforcement because they cannot access data on the phone, which may help them in an investigation or to prevent future terrorist attacks, for example. Or maybe the, it allows them to access data that would help in investigations for human trafficking or child explo- exploitation or you know, any of those other criminal activities. So there's uh, you know, a lot of tools that law enforcement could have access to, but we also have to be careful uh, on, on the individual level on what exactly uh, they have access to and how it may compromise our individual security uh, by weakening that strong encryption. So another issue that uh, is coming up in the election is privacy. So privacy is an important issue, especially since WikiLeaks and Edward Snowden released documents unveiling the National Security Administration's surveillance activities on American citizens. Much of the surveillance came in the form of collecting bulk metadata of phone calls of U.S. citizens. Actually, it wasn't just U.S. citizens, it was um, global citizens, but U.S. citizens got swept up in that bulk collection of metadata. So metadata is important is information that contains uh, the origin and destination phone numbers, for instance, of a phone call, the date and time of that call, the duration, and the geographical location of where the phone is located. So the metadata can also include the make and model of the phone, as well as the local cell tower uh, of where that phone call was made or received. But Metadata does not include the recording of the actual phone call, like the voice recording. So as of December 2015, the USA Freedom Act prohibits the NSA and law enforcement from the bulk collection of metadata. Although this is a victory for privacy advocates, the NSA and other law enforcement will have access to the metadata, but will now need to get approval from a FISA court to gain access. A FISA court, uh, FISA is an acronym for Foreign Intelligence Survey Court, is a court, is a secret court that grants law enforcement requests to collect intelligence data from phone carriers like AT&T, Verizon, and Sprint. Uh, also, internet service providers like, you know, Yahoo, Microsoft, Google, you know, that can also collect data and email. So although the USA Freedom Act sounds like a victory for privacy, the NSA and law enforcement continue to have unrestricted collection of internet and social media data and usage of American citizen of social media data and usage of American citizens, which of course is a major concern regarding privacy. So 
it's a good idea to find out, you know, where your candidates stand on privacy. You know, is that going to be, um, are they in favor of that? You know, are the, is there other legislation that's going to come up that's going to be, uh, you know, infringing on our privacy? You know, that's something we want that you want to know when you when you go to the ballot box. So another technology issue that is important uh, in this election is STEM and the technology-based economy. Now, this is important because the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics says that the U.S. will need approximately one million more STEM professionals in the United States than the United States will produce at the current rate over the next decade if the country is to retain its historic prominence in science and technology. Uh, basically, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics says that there were 5.8 million unfilled jobs, primarily due to a skills gap, uh, a job skills gap in engineering, technical, science, and related jobs. As a result, tech companies either need to send those jobs overseas, like outsource them overseas, or use the H-1B visa program to bring overseas STEM talent onshore to fill those job vacancies. On the other side of the coin, many jobs have disappeared due to technological automation or efficiencies. Even fast food workers, a relatively low-paid job, are being threatened with replacement by automated order takers and uh, robotics to you know, make uh, fast food. So that's a very uh, important issue to consider and find out what your candidate feels about educating more workers in those STEM-related fields. Um, I don't think I mentioned what STEM is. STEM is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And a lot of those fields, uh, you know, are great jobs or high-paying jobs. They're not necessarily college-related jobs because there's a lot of you know, electronic technician jobs which are taught at vocational schools. So what are the candidates, your candidates, what do they uh, think about this job gap? You know, there's a lot of good jobs that are unfilled. What are they thinking about that? What are, they, what are their positions on, on filling those jobs? Because you know, if we don't fill them, they end up, you know, we end up having to bring in people from overseas uh, you know, non-citizens to fill those jobs. So that's a very important issue. And the last topic I want to talk about is uh, cybersecurity and cyber warfare. So Albert's, Albert Einstein, in realizing the devastating power of atomic weapons, said, I don't know what weapons World War III will be fought with, but World War IV will be, be fought with sticks and stones. But that was almost 70 years ago, well before the advent of our computerized infrastructure and internet-connected world. Today, one of the biggest threats to our nation's security is cyber attacks from state-sponsored attackers such as China, Russia, Iran, and others. Our modern military now includes the U.S. Cyber Command, which was formed in 2009 at the National Security Agency, also known as the NSA. The U.S. Cyber Command includes units from each branch of our armed forces. Army Cyber Command, the 2nd Army. Fleet Cyber Command, which is the Navy's 10th Fleet. The Air Force's Cyber, uh, which is their 24th Air Force. And the Marine Corps Cyber Space Command. So the mission of the U.S. Cyber Command 
is to defend the military information networks and conduct operations in cyberspace to ensure freedom of action and to deny the same to our adversaries, quote-unquote. So our infrastructure is very vulnerable to sabotage, and I'm talking about industrial plants, water purification facilities, power generation plants, factories, etc. Plus, the electronic theft of corporate trade secrets spells real economic damage and harms America's edge or lead as a global technological leader. Crypto viruses that hold business information for ransom eats into our economic productivity and costs real dollars while encouraging more crime when businesses pay the ransom. All this leads to the question of how prepared is our nation, our infrastructure, and our businesses to defend against cyber attacks? And what are our leaders going to do to ensure that our nation is in a proper state of readiness? In a few weeks, we'll be voting for the leaders to represent us at the national and also the state level. And I hope you're able to do a little research to find out where your candidates are uh, on these uh, stand on these issues. It is important to get out there, but you know, in the very end, it's important to get out there and vote. If you aren't registered to vote, I urge you to do so before it's too late. Keep in mind that after the election, you can take a few minutes to write your U.S. senator or congressman or your state representatives to let them know how you feel about these issues. As a side note, I worked as a U.S. senator back in college. I worked for a U.S. senator back in college. And I can tell you that each of those letters that we received were read and responded to. So that wraps it up for another episode of TechCast with Jake. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Jake Donamaker or email me at jake at axicom.net. I hope you have an awesome day.